For I am crucified with Christ And yet I live Embrace the cross Where Jesus Welcome to Crossbound Ministries where we are bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, encouraging Christians and pointing sinners to the cross. Will you please pray about supporting our broadcast and ministry that gives us the ability to spread God's word. You can get involved by going to crossboundministry.com. Please welcome our preacher, Mike Sadler, as he brings us an important message from God's word. Embrace the love the cross requires cling to the one whose heart is... Amen. Open your Bibles up with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 10. I want to thank you all who have gave to the ministry as God. I want to tell you a few things that have come in. Letters uh, from the ladies' prison in Ocala. Um, many letters from people in Gainesville. Many letters from people behind bars and uh, people from their homes, and, and just I'm just so thankful for God's people given to God's work, amen, so that every dollar that is given goes toward the ministry. Me and my wife both work full-time, and so this ministry is to reach out to those uh, in, in radio land, those that are behind bars, those that can't get out of their home, those that are shut-ins, amen, and those that are lost. That's who we're trying to reach. So we are thankful. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 10, the Bible says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So everything you did, whether good or bad, is going to be judged uh, before Christ. And we have a very good motive, ladies and gentlemen, for being well-pleasing to the Lord, because we all must appear at that judgment seat of Christ. Uh, and he's going to make manifest, in other words, everything that you have ever done or said you've done for the Lord Jesus Christ will be brought into the light, even, even the intent behind the things that you have done, even your own motives. So knowing that puts us on a much higher level, gives us a much more responsibility as we serve the Lord. You know, it's one thing to appear before a doctor, and it's quite another when that doctor sends you for an x-ray, and he examines your x-ray, and he sees what's on the inside, and he sees what you're made of in there, and he sees how your structure is and how strong your bones are, and if you've had any cracks or fractures or breaks, he sees inside you, and it's going to be something like that at the judgment seat of Christ, but on a much greater, greater level the judgment seat of christ will reveal our lives of service for christ exactly as they have been not as other people saw them not as what the people at church thought no they're going to be exactly what they were in your heart that's exactly what christ is going to see not only the amount of service because let's face it we as americans sometimes we get caught up and we get so busy and it's all about how much i can get done But do you know that Christ also puts a lot of emphasis 
not only on the amount of service, but also on the quality of the service. Was your whole heart in it? Did you have the right motives? Were you prompted in the right way? Because all those things will be brought into review. And so God puts a lot of the emphasis on the work that you do for him, but God also puts a lot on the quality of the work that you do for him and the intent of the heart for the work that you are doing for the Lord Jesus Christ will be brought under the x-ray before Christ as he judges it. And so although sins after conversion, they, they don't have any effect on the on us as believers. Once you're saved, you're sealed into the day of redemption. You're not going to lose your salvation. And so that the sin after you've been saved, because let's, let's face it, you still are a sinner. You may have been saved from the penalty of sin. Your soul is saved, but yet we are here in this flesh. We are still here in this body, and we still have to fight the good fight. We still have to let the old man die and pick up the new man every day, as the Apostle Paul says, I die daily. And so we don't have to worry about uh, our sin or losing our salvation, but we must worry about the sin afterwards because that does affect our behavior uh, it does affect our rewards in heaven but it also more importantly affects your relationship with christ the bible says quench not the spirit so the more sin that you do the more sin that you allow in your life the more that you're going to quench that spirit i hope you understand that you will not lose your salvation but you, what you will do is distance your relationship and your personal daily walk with Jesus. You'll never, you'll always be in his family once you're saved and you're born again. The Bible says you're sealed unto the day of redemption with a peace of the Holy Spirit. No man can pluck them out of my Father's hand, the Bible says. But what you will do is hurt your relationship. You will quench the Spirit. In other words, the Spirit of God that is within you, that moves in, See, when you sin and the Holy Spirit is in you, the Holy Spirit can't, he's not going to leave you. You're quenching the Spirit. In other words, it's like the best way I know how to describe it is, is if you were do it sinning and both your parents were watching and they saw you doing that and you know they taught you better, you know better than that and you know you shouldn't do that. And they're, but they're watching you do it, the heartbreak and the hurt that they, you would see in their eyes and the disappointment and the discouragement and the hurt and the pain that they would see that my child is hurting themselves and they know better. I do believe that's a lot of what the Holy Spirit goes through when a Christian lets willful sin in their life, but on a much greater level that we can't hardly understand. The Bible says, quench not the Spirit. So we don't have to worry about losing our salvation but we do have to worry about keeping a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Keeping ourselves right before a thrice holy God. And I'm here to tell you, that takes a real act of your will. You have got to want to. You have got to seek that. You have got to run the race, as Paul said. You've got to go after that. It's not going to happen if you just lay on the couch and say, well, I'll just, I'll just be all right. No, you have got to actively work at that, just like a good marriage. Don't you like how the Bible often uh, Christ is the groom and his church is the bride? It talks about a marriage. And you know, if you've been married or if you are married, 
that a good marriage takes a lot of work. You have to actively work at that. You have to actively do things to keep each other happy. You have to actively work at that to meet each other's needs. It doesn't just happen. And it's the same with the Christian life. If you want to be close to God, you've got to seek God. You've got to work on that relationship. You've got to read your Bible. You've got to keep sin out of your life. You've got to pray. You've got to talk to God. You've got to watch what goes in your ears. Watch who you're listening to. Watch what you look at on TV or on the Internet, on your phone. Be careful, oh, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Those child's... Uh, Children's Sunday school songs have so much biblical wisdom in them, and I know that I need that. Amen. And so the judgment seat of Christ has to do with our service for the Lord. It's not a matter of whether we're saved or not, but it's your service for the Lord. And that's when you'll be given reward. That's when you can receive uh, the crown of life. Amen. Even though those crowns, the Bible says, that we'll take them and we will cast them at Jesus' feet. Because he's worthy and we are not. Don't you want some crowns to cast at Jesus' feet? Your Savior, the one that saved your soul from the fires of hell, the one that forgave you of your sins, the one that laid down his life so that you may have eternal life. Don't you want to have some crowns to cast at his feet? Don't you want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant don't you want the lord to be pleased with the service that you are doing for him today today not later but today where are you at today in your work for the lord where are you at today where do you stand today if you were to die today and have to go before the lord jesus christ and judgment seat of christ where would you stand would you be disappointed would you be a, uh, sad would you be ashamed of yourself or could you say, or would you hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant? That's a question only you and God can answer. Look at me now verse number 11. James chapter 5, verse number 11. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord. That the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. He says, behold, we count them happy which endure. You know, sometimes there's something to be said for enduring. There's something to be said to saying they've weathered the storm. They've stuck it out and their faith is tried and true. They've trusted God through the good, through the bad, through the ugly. Amen. There's something to be said for that. And people, even worldly people, stand up and take notice that they really believe what they're saying. They really trust God. There is no doubt in my mind. I can see it. It is written all over them. Why? Because when hard times come and people see that you still trust God, that really tells them what your real faith and what you're really trusting in. And behold, he said, we count them happy, which endure. You've heard the patience of Job. Job went through a lot. And let me just tell you, not all things that come in your life are because of sin. The Bible says Job was a righteous man, upright, none like him in the land. God even said to Satan, have you tried my servant Job? Job didn't do anything wrong. But Job and Satan said, you've protected him. You've had a hedge of protection around him. You remove that 
and I'll have him curse you to your face. And God said, you can attack him. You can do anything to him, but you can't take his life. So that does not let you know that who's really in charge. God allowed Satan to attack Job. But God put Satan on a leash and said, you're only going to go this far. And you're only going to do this much. And you only got this amount of time. God is in control of the time and the intensity of the trial in your life. And Job had the trial. He lost all that he had. He lost his children. He lost his, his animals. He lost his home. He lost all that he had except his wife and his own life. And he endured. Even when his own friend said, you must have brought this on your life. It must be because of the sin in your life that reasons all these bad things that happened. What miserable friends they were. But do you know when God turned everything around? When Job started praying for his friends. When despite what they thought, Job prayed for them. I tell you what, when people say bad things about you or attack you or run you down, and but you still have a heart and you still pray for them, man, that is so godly. That is so Christ-like. Like the first de uh, deacon, Stephen, who was stoned to death, but yet he kneeled down and said, Father, forgive them. Doesn't that remind you of Jesus? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. You have to remember, ladies and gentlemen, we often think it's the person. Now, I'm not, not neglecting any of the responsibility that is upon them for their actions. But it's easy to forget what the Bible says. That we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. There is an evil, demonic force behind that, driving it. And nothing stirs the demons up like a person truly sold out for Jesus. A person truly involved in spreading God's word. Nothing stirs them up like that. They can just can't stand it, and they will attack you, and they will use people to do it. Just as God uses people, Satan does the same thing. The last part of that verse, and have seen the end of the Lord, and the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. The Lord is characterized by pity and compassion. The Lord has a lot of compassion, and especially for his people. He has compassion for the lost. He wants everyone to be saved. There's not one person that God wants to go to hell, even the most wicked, nastiest, vilest person you can think of. God doesn't want them to go to hell. The Bible says, the Bible says that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And sometimes we do. We think, man, that person is so evil. They murdered people. They raped people. They did all these bad, horrible things. I'm glad they're gone. But the Bible says that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. doesn't mean they won't be punished in hell. But the Bible says he didn't take any pleasure in their death. But on the flip side, God said precious, precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. Precious to God is when a Christian dies. That is so precious to the Lord. Amen. What a contrast there. And so God is full of tender, loving, mercy, and compassionate. Amen to that. Verse number 12. 
James chapter 5, verse number 12. But all things, my brethren, swear not neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. In other words, swear not. Don't make a vow, which is understood. You know, don't don't swear an oath by the earth or the heavens. I swear to, and people do it, and people say it. But the Bible says, don't do it. And a Christian should be careful what they say in the language that we use with comments like that. We sure should, because the world will say it and say, oh, whoa, wait a minute, that's, that's the way I talk. Don't use that kind of terminology. So here we find the Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. You shouldn't have to swear by anything. Don't swear by heaven. Don't swear by earth. Don't swear by your grandma. Don't swear by this or swear by that. The Bible says, no, don't do it. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And that puts a lot of confidence in that person. If a person has to swear, I swear by the... And it makes you wonder, well, why you got to swear by that? Why, I mean, isn't just the truth the truth? And that's exactly what the Bible's saying. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Verse 13. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Verse 14. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now listen, sickness is not necessarily a punishment or the result of any sin, though it could be, but it doesn't mean that it is. Just in Job's case, the Bible says Job was an up and a righteous man, but yet he went through a lot. He got boils from head to toes, from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. The Bible says that he was laying in ashes, scraping them, but yet he didn't sin. And so just because a person's sick or sickly doesn't, doesn't mean they've done anything wrong, doesn't mean they have sin in their life, doesn't mean that sin had brought that on. And so here he says, any among you afflicted, let him pray. Is any merry? So whether or not you're hurting and you're sick and you're afflicted or you're married, the Bible says pray. The Bible says talk to God. Amen. And let me just tell you, much of the illness, most of the illness, a lot of the illness is, of course, that simply we live in a fallen world. We live in a sin-riddled world. That is the biggest problem. Jesus does care about our bodies, but he cares a whole lot more about our soul and about our spirit. Uh, so, But a member of the church, if you're sick and you ain't got no help from the doctors and you're at last your last rope, now it shouldn't take that, but a lot of times it does, do what the Bible says. Go to the elders of the church. And you ask me, preacher, have you done that? I sure have. I sure have went and asked them. Amen. If nothing else, it's great encouragement to know that these people are one accord with you with the Lord. And it's up to God. It's not up to them. It's up to God whether or not God heals you. But you remember what Paul, Paul had a great thorn in the flesh. I'm not going to speculate on what that thorn was, but we do know it must have been hurtful and painful because he sure wanted it gone. The Bible says he played three different times. God, please remove this thorn in the flesh. And God said, no. My grace 
is sufficient for thee. God said, I won't remove it. You know why? And later on, Paul even says he's been given a thorn in the flesh that unless I be exalted above measure, God may allow something hurtful and painful in my life the rest of my life to keep me humble, to keep me where I'm at, to keep me right with God. But I could, because I can tell you, you may not think you're prideful, but all oh, that pride can rise right up and say, well, I'm pretty smart. Well, I did this because of this. Well, it's because of my family. What? No, it's only because God allowed it or because God did it. That's why. And so the Bible says, go before the elders of the church, let them pray, anointing that person. Not that the anointing, and I, I, I know because of certain, certain groups that uh, lots of people are afraid of that, but I know my grandma, if you weren't around, she'd get your picture out, and she'd put a little drop of olive oil on her finger and wipe it on their picture and pray for you because you weren't there. God, God knew what was going on. And so that's what she would do. Now, the oil doesn't heal you. The oil is simply a picture of the Holy Spirit. And it's just being obedient to what the Bible says. The Bible says anoint with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse number 15. And the prayer of the faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven. The Bible says the prayer of the faith shall save the sick. See, the oil was only a symbol. The prayer didn't save that person's soul, but it may save their body from this earthly sickness. The sickness may have been a result of chasing from God. It may have been a result of sin. It may have been because God allowed Satan to attack him like he did Job. But it's on a personal level. But it doesn't matter. The Bible says, go to the elders and ask them to pray for you. And the prayer of the faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise them up. It may be when Jesus comes back that he raises that person up out of the grave. It may be when the trumpet sounds. The Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first. But no matter what, if God heals you or God says he like he did with the Apostle Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. If you're a child of God, you're a child of God for all eternity. I, I am so thankful for that. I look forward to that day when we could step through those pearly gates and be in the presence of a thrice holy God. Amen. I don't want to die. I don't look, look for death, but I sure long to be with my Savior. I sure long to be with the Lord. I sure long to see my family members have gone on and died and, and on their way to heaven or in heaven as they speak. Amen. Confess your faults one to another, verse 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's hard right there, confess your faults to one another. That means tell each other your weaknesses, your problems, your faults, and pray for one another that ye may be healed. And the Bible goes on to say, that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Prayer unlocks the windows of heaven. Prayer gets a hold of God. Prayer touches God's heart. God does not forget them prayers. No matter how, if you're dead and gone, God still has those prayers. You don't have to be alive for God to answer those prayers. There's some you will never have an answer to. It may be long after you're gone. But the Bible says... 
the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Amen. Go before the Lord. Give it to the Lord and pray and pray and pray some more. Amen. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. If you have been saved or are in need of a prayer, please contact us at 352-247-9200. That's 352-247-9200. Thank you for tuning in to Crossbound Ministries radio broadcast. Will you please pray about supporting our ministry and broadcast? You can go to crossboundministry.com or send your support or a gift to P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. That's P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. For a gift of $10 or more, we will send you a booklet. Please pray for us as our ministry and radio broadcast grows. Tune in every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. to hear a message from our preacher, Mike Sadler. You can follow Crossbound Ministry on Facebook, YouTube, and visit us on the web at crossboundministry.com. If you are a pregnant woman in need of help, there is hope. You can reach out to the Citrus Pregnancy Center. There are locations in Inverness and in Crystal River. Their phone number is 352-341-5176. That's 352-341-5176. This broadcast has been sponsored in part by Henley's Grading Incorporated for all your land clearing and hauling needs. Located in Hernando, Florida, 352-897-3507. That's 352-897-3507. This program is sponsored by Crossbound Ministry of Inverness, Florida.